Welcome to Coffee and Converse. I'm Diane and this is a show for lifestyle entrepreneurs, those people building a business to support their life instead of living to build a business. If this is you, stick around for strategies on doing business more efficiently with more ease and in a way that feels oh so good to you. Hey, hey, today's guest is the type of person that you discover and then realize all of your friends have already worked with to hit six or seven figures in record time. She is the go-to sales ninja who is the antithesis of everything you expect about sales. So get ready to get excited about selling. Hey, Laura, welcome to the show. Hello, Diane. I love that intro. I'm like, I'm already clapping and excited because sales is love. Sales is everything. I can't wait to dive in. I don't think it's an area that everybody has so much baggage, drama, belief around. So I'm excited to dive in with you. Let's start a little bit with your business journey first. Mm. (laughs) Every time I'm asked this question, I'm like, do I go back 20 years or maybe just five or 10? So I'll give you the short version. I actually funnily have a degree in sculpture and it's a fun place to start because where my entrepreneurial journey started was inside of college. And while I was there, I was working three jobs. I was taking every single possible credit and I completely burnt myself out and left. And I still remember an advisor giving me a we want to invite you to withdraw versus inviting you to leave. (laughs) So I left and I went and got a job because that's what you do. You need to go make some money. And I was helping this artist community do all these wholesale trade shows and I was helping them make more money. And what I couldn't understand was like, I could see this path of like, oh, scoop these things up, sell them to these people and you're thriving and they're thriving. Everybody's happy. And they were like, what? And then I realized that that didn't fit for my whole journey. So I decided to skip on to another corporation and I got into selling multi-million dollar trade shows and events. And I had clients like ExxonMobil and Staples and I hated it. I hated it. And I remember being like the only woman in the room. I remember the sleazy, skeezy, nasty, you need to wear a skirt, make sure your tank top's tight and lower. Like I remember all of that. And I made a lot of money. And I remember feeling slimy, yucky, like all those things you think about with sales. And then a lovely thing for my life came out of a tragedy, which was 9-11. And what happened in that day was all of our events field dried up, people couldn't travel. And I had gone through a kind of miserable transition over that summer and was given like an awakening moment. And I decided to quit my corporate job and jump into entrepreneurship. And I want to say it was a smooth dive in, but what it really turned into was I got kind of frustrated because my mother kept saying she wanted to run this real estate investment business. And I was like, you're not doing it. So I sold my house. (laughs) I went and bought, I think it was like six properties all at once. And over about eight years, built a multi-million dollar real estate investment company. And again, I was building this big empire. And the way we did things differently was we're just like two small gals. We'd go in, pay people fair prices, pay all the construction companies fairly. And I thought this was what everybody did. And what I learned was we stood out from the crowd because we did what nobody else did. And so fun thing, and this is that journey that I, why I talk about this is 
back in 2008, a wonderful thing happened to me wrapped in a terrible package, which was our housing market in the States completely imploded, exploded, evaporated. And I was left with about $550,000 worth of business debt, about $73,000 worth of personal debt. We lost everything except for the home that I was living in because it was in my then boyfriend, now husband's name. And why I bring this up is because the I did everything right. I did everything with heart and I built a business that wasn't soul aligned to me. I did it because my mom needed to and I was frustrated and so I forced it and of course it fell apart. So then my journey became how do you create something when you were a seven figure CEO? I was unemployable. I had no idea what to do to start over. And I actually went and found a coach and she kind of gave me some life changing moments. And I very quickly came into her company and took her from 250 a year to 1.2 million in about 18 months. We hosted quite a few live events. I started running all of her events and I changed their process for sales. That's in a million dollar change. And I realized I couldn't just go inside of someone's company and behind the scenes do that for one person. So back in 2013, I broke free and I started my own company where I now teach other women how to understand the constructs of selling with your soul so that you can serve at your highest level. And that's what I've been doing ever since and just even started a brand new partnership. So I long-winded way to tell the story of entrepreneurial journey is not straight line. So many of us out there have high highs. Sometimes we have some low lows, but the keep going part, the thread throughout my story is learning and knowing skills like sales has been the places kept me going in my entire life. Gosh, you've done all the the really complex corporate stuff. So you've done, let me go into really male dominated business, check. Let me work with family, check. Let me do real estate, check. So it must actually be fairly soothing to be in a place where you feel so aligned and are able to see the impact so easily with people. It's everything. It's why I work with, I will say 99% women. Occasionally there's a conscious man that shows up. But my real vision and my decision is that, and I have a book about it actually, is I believe that smart women, when we hold the power to make money, we actually affect the change that I want to see in this world. Healthy families, whole lives, being able to live. I do not believe in a hustle lifestyle. I do not believe in working yourself to the bone for a one day payoff. I believe in living a full, strong life and you hit the nail on the head. My most favorite thing is watching my clients thrive. And I have a rule where I only work with somebody that I would want to have a meal with. And if I don't want to like sit down and have a meal and share champagne with you because you just change your life and everyone around you, if I don't believe in what you're doing, we're not going to be working together. Wow. I have so many questions. So I think I have come into the entrepreneurial space. So really long corporate background in banking. I know some very aggressive salespeople and some very smooth talking salespeople who are completely lovely people. So I've seen selling in action. And then I came into the entrepreneurial space. And I have to say, even that training in investment banking, which everybody reviles as this place of like horrendous deals and pushy people, didn't prepare me for what I was going to experience in the entrepreneurial space, being taught 
to send people to links for interest-free credit cards, to not letting people get off the phone until they're given new credit card details. I've experienced the like two hour phone call with a salesperson where the only way to get off it is to hang up because they're just there to wear you out. I feel like I need to take a shower when I've experienced one of those sales calls. It feels worse when you try to deliver it, even though like it feels bad to be on the receiving end. It feels worse to be the deliverer. But I'm starting to see a bit of a pendulum swing. And I don't know whether this is because we're seeing more women in the entrepreneur space who are like, this is just gross and I don't want to do it. Whether it's the swing away from hustle. What do you think is changing in the selling environment? Yeah, we were starting to chat before we even started about the concept of ethical sales. And I think you and I would both agree that it's sales. It shouldn't be made ethical. It should already be there. So I agree with you. I also just want to share this. The concepts that these men, and I, I want to say not just men, but the masculine side of sales was taught and then repeated and repeated and repeated because it was the only voice out there. I think why the pendulum has changed is people like you and I, people who are their contemporaries, there are more women's voices out there. And then here's the other thing. I think the gift of the pandemic, and I do tend to try to find the lesson or the goodness out of certain things, is that the what doesn't work anymore became really, really clear. And what does work became really, really clear. And so I think what's starting to happen is there's more people like myself who are putting the voice out of there is a different way to do it because here's the key. You learned what you learned because that was the only way that was taught for like centuries. This is how to sell. So if you want to know how to do it, you had to go find someone to do it. What I did was I went and learned how to sell, didn't like it. And I really remember this in one of my first corporate jobs. I was given this list of people to call. And there was this really sweet gal who sat next to me. And she was like this great little worker. And she would pick up the phone and call and call and call and call. Her concept was there's no such thing as a no. She did the same kind of technique of you hold them on the phone until they're a yes. And then you call them 100 times until they're a yes. And what I started to do was I would take my list of people and I would just really connect in. And I don't think I understood it as much as I understand it now, but I was intuitively scanning the list and finding someone I connected with. Like I had something in common with them or I believed in what they were selling. And I would pick up the phone and I would talk with them and I would have human interaction, connection and conversation. And I would have that beautiful one call in the day. I would usually end up resulting that into a sale that was way larger than what she was selling. And then I'd go off and have lunch and maybe I'd do it again in the afternoon and maybe I would just skip out early. But what I learned early on was that the intention behind what you do is what counts. But here's the thing. I learned that 20 some odd years ago, this was back in 1997, 98. I didn't start teaching it until 2013. So I think the pendulum swing is how many other women are out there understanding a different way to sell and teaching other people how to do it. This is why I believe in cooperation versus competition. And I celebrate every time I see a soul-driven sales coach crop up because my hope and my belief is that she will teach more techniques so that when you think like, who are the names in our industry? If I ask anyone who's listening here, you're probably going to recall at least one man and probably only men for teaching. And that's not a dig on men. It just means that's the only thing that we were taught. And it was amplified for years because that was the only thing that was taught. You are now going to learn a new way to do things, which has heart, soul, connection, 
and so much more money. Oh my God. I Sales is the easiest thing I do. And it's the thing I love more than anything because it's the same thing as me sitting down with like my best girlfriend and having coffee and chatting or rosé and celebrating. That's what sales should be like. And that sounds much more relaxing to be on both sides of to just hop on a call and be like, I'm just going to chat with this person and see if I can help. So what are the differences? I find the traditional selling, everybody teaches it the same way. Tell me how much pain you're in, stick the knife in deeper, tell me what you want, make it seem really far away, and then explain how I am the answer to your prayers. Generic sales conversation. And I'm exaggerating for effect, obviously, but that's the general gist. So when you think about sales, is it the same with a change in intention or is it a completely different conversation? This is so good because I think when you're talking about the arc of the sale, that's what I call it, where you do connect into someone's I don't like the word pain. I I tend to call it like, what are you struggling with? Like what's hanging you up? Because I don't actually want to activate pain. That's trauma. Who wants to activate pain? I want to activate like, tell me what's not going well. And then talking about their vision. Tell me what you do want. And then explaining how you're a bridge to help them get there. That's different with intentions. So I'll tell you some of the really big changes. One, and I've done this with many, many clients is And I don't know where this concept came up, but throwing the baby out with the bathwater, there's this thing of like, don't get rid of the stuff that is positive. Change how you utilize the tools and determine which tools are about sleaze, slime, and manipulation, and which tools are tools that actually help people make choice. So number one, I think I said number one twice, but I'll say number one every single time is what's the purpose of a sales call? So for me, the purpose of a sales call is not actually to get a sale. I know that sounds ludicrous because we're talking about sales and I am all about sales and I'm all about making money, but the purpose of a sales call is actually to guide someone to choice. The moment you change the frame of guiding someone to choice and what choice are they making, there are three choices that can be made on a sales call. Yes, I want this or a match. No, we're not. And guess what? Ladies, gents, that no is as good, if not better than a yes. Has anyone worked with like the misaligned clients? That's disastrous. So I am, I'm happy when someone's a no. And then the third one is I need more information. And I think this is the thing that's missed so often is that people that I don't believe in one sales call, you get on, you say yes or goodbye and never. In fact, I, I taught this to one of my clients a while back. It was back in, I think, December. She came to me. She had a really good close rate, but she had had like a 30-day dry spell, like could not close. And her, I'm one of her clients, you know, he said, I'm the person that somebody you know has worked with. <laughs> her, her friend came to me and we worked together and she's like, I think you need to talk with Laura. And we got on a call and had maybe like a 20-minute conversation. And I told her one little tweak and the next week she went and closed 248000 in business. And I'll tell you what I told her because I think it's pretty powerful. The way she was hosting her sales calls was the way she buys. So she is the person that she sees something, she wants it, she gets on a call, she buys immediately, and then she jumps the next thing. So every single person she got on a call with, it was a 15-minute, you like it, you don't like it, you buy or get out. And guess what? That's not how everybody buys. So all I did was I taught her how to go through my five steps. And this is what I do on a sales call. Number one, number two, number three, whatever it is. I know who my person is. I think this is the biggest thing. 
If you don't know who your ideal client is, it doesn't matter how good, bad, or other you are in sales. If I get a person that's on a call with me and we are not meant to work together, then I shouldn't have the call with them. I should release them and let them have a go, have a great day. Also, if they're not an aligned client and I go through the process and I don't close the sale, then I think there's something wrong with me and there's not, and there's nothing wrong with them. Non-ideal doesn't make them wrong or you wrong or anything. They're just not a match. So I know who my person is. I know them so well and I've done this to a few people so they know it's true. I've been at live events where I've sat down and looked at somebody and started laughing and they're like, but really what it is is I know my ideal client so well that I can see her. Like I can look and see her. So when I know her, I walk through the five steps. So step one is connection. What I'm trying to do with this person is define and decide, are we connected? Like, do I like you? Do you like me? Do we have shared values? Do we want similar things in a way that would help me help you? Because if I do not know you, love you, and believe in you, I'm not your best person. If you don't get to know me fall in love with me and believe in me to guide you, we're not going to work together. So the process of this call is to identify whether we know, love, and believe in each other. So we do that with connection first. Then I do talk about the struggle and I don't turn the knife. I don't, I believe that selling by pain is a limited way of being, but I do ask what's not working well. Cause here's the thing. I need to know what your problem is to know if I can solve it. I don't want you to feel pain around it, but I want clarity of, do you know what's wrong? Can I help you change it? And then I ask, you know, what's not working well? Why do you think it's not working well? Why does it need to change now? I ask very simple questions that just help us have awareness versus crushing someone with it. Then I ask about your vision. Like, what do you want? Because the truth of the matter is, if it's very, very hard to sell from pain. This is that thing, again, it's taught so much, which is like crush them, like make them feel it, and then they'll buy your answer. It's hard to say yes from there. So I don't ask anyone to connect with what's not working and then try to say yes. I ask about their vision, and then I heighten it for them. And I think this is key because what I'm activating is I want them to believe this is possible, what they want, whether they go with me or they don't. That's like my gift in a sales call. I'm going to help you clarify what's not working. I'm going to help you believe in what you want. And then I have the arc of I tell success stories throughout my sales call. I help people know you're not alone. When you tell me what your struggle is, I'm going to tell you about Sarah who had the same struggle and how I helped her. You're going to start to believe again that you can change your struggle. I don't want you to stay in your pain. I want you to get out of it. When you tell me your vision, I'm going to tell you about Tina and how we help Tina get something very similar to you so you start to believe it's possible. And then I give an invitation. I do not pitch. I do not sell in a way that is like, buy it, buy it, buy it. I give an invitation and I always give two to three. And here's what that means. This is my game changer, like writer downer. When you get on a call and there's one way to work with somebody, it is a yes or it is a no. Like here I am. One way, do you want it, don't you? So what I help my clients do and I do for myself is I have a VIP, luxe, fast, whatever it is that is the fit and flavor for how I help my clients. It's like the, I want that one. I have my core offer, which is for most of the people who come my way. And I have a small bite offer. And small bite doesn't mean low price point. It means we're just gonna do one thing together to see if we're fit. Because you had, you know, like you have those moments where like, 
you want to date and that was a really good date and we're great. Not a great date. Sometimes we get married or we we move in together. And then those times we get married and have children, that's kind of how I see like how much deepness and work we're going to do together. And then my last step, and this is a step I find that so many people miss, is the clothes. And my clothes has no pressure. And I'm going to tell you why I leave like 90% of my calls with someone like holding up the credit card and being like, let's go, is because there's no force. I don't do external urgency crazy bonuses. In fact, I just had a sales call today where I was speaking with a woman. We've worked together previously. She came back around and I was like, here's what we can do together. Gave her a couple options. I'm like, I think this one's the right one for you, but I want you to like really get cool with it. I also know she's a high fact finder. She needs to leave the call. She needs to digest. She needs to think. And I honor that because if I had said in or out, she'd be out. And I know we're meant to work together. So the only thing that I did was I let her know, hey, there's a thing that I'm hosting at the end of this month that you get inside the program. And I know this would be good for you. So how long would you like to make a decision? And she's like, like two, two more days. And I'm like, great. So I've already got her card on file. If I hadn't had it, I probably would have collected it. But I said, take your two days and tell me, what do you need to know to make a decision? And I know her process. And she told me exactly what she needs to do. And I promise you, uh, we'll have to do a follow-up on Friday. I will hear from her and she will be in the program. That's how I approach sales. The other thing is I do not sell to somebody to receive the money because that's the only reason. It causes pain, discomfort. It's not good for them. and It's not good for me. That was a long answer. I know, but it was so good. I didn't want to interrupt the flow. I was just like, just keep going. I can picture everyone listening, like furiously scribbling it down. That is such a refreshing take to be like, hey, I need to know what's going on so that I know if I can help or not. I'm a big fan of, I do the 15 minute call, but I don't sell on it. I do the 15 minute call to be like, let's see if we connect. Tell me what's going on in your business. If I feel like I can help you, then we can talk about what that looks like. And sometimes that call just goes longer and we talk about it. Sometimes it's come back and let's talk about it again. For me, that's so freeing because I just get on, it feels like a coffee chat. And so then I'm less in my own head about like, what am I going to sell this person? And I know if I'm excited about their business, because from a strategy perspective, if I can't already see three or four solutions just from reading their intake form, then I know we're not going to work together, but I want to put point them somewhere. Yeah. I, you know what I love about what you're talking about? I have clients who do 15 minute calls and close. I have a client who does a two hour, like it's an in-depth because she has lifetime clients, like legit the work that she does. She's with you for the rest of your life. So she does a two hour call and then also a follow-up call. And do you know what the answer is? It's right for her. And the 15-minute first call close is right for her. What you're nailing that's so important about sales is it's not a cookie-cutter solution. How I teach and train is that we identify what's right for you. Diane, when you do those 15-minute connections and you let the relationship blossom and you decide, do we keep going because you get the tingles? You just identified your process for knowing who's right for you. And if we put you in a scenario where you had to do a two-hour call or even a one-hour and you have to close or it doesn't even matter, like it's going to force you to not be connected to your soul and then you don't hear the other person 
and then you can't help them and they're not helped by you and you're not helping them and it's all misalignment. So I love that you went, there really is no one size fits all when it comes to sales. It is about knowing what makes you feel at your highest, best, most powerful, confident you and helps you connect at the most soul level to your ideal client. I love what you do. Yeah. And it's taken a while to find it. Like I have tried all the things, but I find that if I'm relaxed and people can see how my brain works, that's the best way for people to learn about me. And so the 60 minute call, I feel like I need a script. I get all like (laughs) in my head about it. And I think you're right with the listening thing. I did chuckle because I've done a particular sales program that's very scripted. And so obviously Mm. I knew the script incredibly well and then got on a sales call with someone who had clearly been trained in it. (laughs) And it was really, it was the most awkward sales call I've ever been on in my life because I knew what was coming next. And so it's it like two ping pong balls. Yeah. And then we got to the point where like I knew they had ticked all the pain boxes and they had ticked everything. And then they did the like recap thing of like, okay, let me reflect back to you what I've heard. And they were like, and I hear that this is your problem. And I was like, that is literally the opposite of what I told you. you you're so in this scripted moment. You're actually not hearing what the person's telling you. I actually wanted what you were selling. I was ready to buy from you before I got on this call. I have to tell you, this is like the key, like so many golden nuggets in our conversation. But if anybody takes this away, the old way doesn't actually work. Like I'm not trying to bash because it's bad. I'm just saying it doesn't actually work. I love that because like there's two people involved in a sales conversation. There is you deciding, do you want to work with them? And them deciding, do they want to work with you? And I think we all have stories like this. I still remember and I'm very grateful when people do bad sales calls. Every once in a while I do play a little game where I go find somebody online and I go through their sales process just to see what they're doing with their sales calls. But I remember this woman who I followed online and I was like, she's it. Oh my God. I've been looking for a mentor. She has everything I want. We got on a call and I literally heard her turn the script page. Same thing. She wasn't connected. She wasn't listening to me. She was following the script to, and, and it was her company, but what I teach, and I think what you've learned how to do, is that there is no there's no script. I have a formula. It's a five steps, and I kept it really simple. Everyone always asks me, well, like, how long do I stay in connection? Until you feel connected. How long do you talk about what's not working? Until you're clear and they're clear. And, like, you don't – you get to relax. Nine times out of ten, my clients, once they work with me, they afterwards are like, do, do, was that – that was a sales call. And I'm like, yeah, because we just talked and had fun. Like I want for my client's experience to feel good because how you go through a sales call is how you will be as a coach and how you'll be as a client, which is another reason why I pay attention to how people are on sales calls. It's the other side of it. I don't do rescheduling. Like if you don't show up for your call, then we're not aligned to work together. Yes, there are occasional extenuating circumstances, but nine times out of 10, I do not do that. Also, if somebody's giving me red flags on a sales call, I'm paying attention. That's how they're going to be in a coaching container and consulting container. So I think what happens is we usually take sales so one-sided. It's just us. Like we get the person on the call and you're like trying to perform or show you're an expert or do things perfectly. And you don't listen to who they are, to know if you should work together. And that's, I think, a big difference. 
And I think if you're doing that, it takes this, is it ethical or not ethical out of the equation? Because you're not doing something. You're just having a conversation with someone. And hopefully you're having that same kind of conversation as if that was a friend, as if it was a family member, as if it was a stranger who you happen to be sitting next to on transport. I'm, I'm probably the only person in the world who actually talks to people who sit down. <laughs> I'm like, I would sit next to you and yeah. talk to you. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like the worst nightmare person when I travel. I want to know everybody's stories and where they're from. But it is that kind of conversation. You wouldn't sit down next to someone and say, oh, tell me the worst thing that's ever happened to you. Oh my goodness, let's dive into that, right? So I think it just takes a lot of this, am I being ethical, off the table. Are you just being a good human? Good. Congratulations. You've ticked the box. And, and I think that's something to be said. Like, be practical too. Like one of the things that I talk about is like I correct collect a credit card on the phone because if we are in a moment of commitment and I don't mean like I'm not letting you off until I have it, but I'm like, would you like to activate the energy of full commitment? If you're ready, let's get going because support starts now. When you work with me, if I am collecting your credit card on the phone, we're also scheduling your first call. I'm getting you activated into Voxer if that's what you get with your, like we're going into that place of full commitment and connection. And it's not a force. If somebody needs to get an order form and use it afterwards, I let them do that. Again, when you have true soul connection, soul alignment, you can activate the arc of the sale without having to do any force and push. Mic drop moments. My brain is ticking over like a million different things. This has been so good and there's so much juice in this episode. Where can people get started with you? Like what's the best place for them to just be like, okay, I want more of this soul selling that you're talking about? Mm, well, come hang with me on Facebook. I know there's lots of different feelings about Facebook. But we, my business partner and I, we are the Sold Sisters. And it's S-O-U-L-D because selling with soul is everything. So we have a Facebook group. And if you just type in Sold Sisters, S-O-U-L-D Sisters with an S, you will come into our world. We do lots of free trainings. We have lots of resources in the group. We actually know the people. I had a moment where my team asked me to go through because we had to do something. She called it like a, we had to purge something. And I'm like, Purging people, what doesn't feel good? So she asked me to go through and we went through like our list of members. And I'm like, well, I know her and I know her and I know her and I know her. What I want you to feel is that we we have a program that we call the Sold Circle. We bring people into our circle and we want to make sure you're thriving. If we're not it, we're gonna point you to the right persons. So come hang with us on Facebook. And we've got lots of resources because I'm a fan of, I, I sell high ticket programs. I have a $100,000 program. We have a $30,000 mastermind. We also have a $5,000 program and we have a free book and we have free trainings because I believe sometimes when you come to somebody, you need to enter the pace and place that is right for you. So come into our world, see what you need. My goal, I know my business partner Amber's goal is we want to help women make a lot of money and feel fantastic while they're doing it. Awesome. I'll be sure to link all of that as well. So to finish up, I have a couple of questions that I ask all of my guests. I'm already chuckling at the second one because I know what the answer is going to be. But the first one is, what is the number one lifestyle boundary that you have for your business? Yep. Okay. So we have actually a pretty rigid system in our house. It's a good one for when we eat. So we've got my husband, he's a stay-at-home dad, our kiddo, we've got two dogs. So my day ends every day at 4.30 because dinner's at 5. Hard stop. I will tell you in a month, I maybe will do one 
evening thing, and that's a rarity, but because we have rigid positive boundaries, if I do have an evening thing, it's easy breezy and it doesn't bother the family. So my schedule of I, I don't start my day until 10, like from wake up until 10 a.m. is family time and me time. I'm able to eat some food, get our kiddo to school or to camp. I'm able to get my second cup of coffee because we need some coffee. Anybody who's got like a, a family and a business, you need, <laughs> you need the coffee. Everybody needs a coffee. And I need to center myself so that at 10 when I sit down, if I'm on a call, I'm present for my clients. So that boundary of scheduling time, that's everything. I do like a rigid meal time. When somebody wants me to do something at 12 o'clock, I'm like, that is lunchtime. I've already planned what I'm going to eat. What are you thinking? <laughs> you and I are soul sisters. Okay, so I will tell you this. My husband and I laugh and we're like, are we the only ones who do this? We will literally talk about the next meal we're going to eat while we're eating that meal. I mean, it helps that he's, he was a private chef and we retired him. So now he cooks for us. But you and I, we're going to have to sit down for a 12 noon lunch and I will ring you up when it's time at five o'clock for dinner because we won't be on the same schedule. <laughs> it's ideal. I am a five o'clock dinner person as well. Okay. My second question, what is the worst piece of cookie cutter advice you've been given as an entrepreneur? <laughs> Where do I start? Force the sale. Honestly, I think like the, I still remember I, I got on this call with a gentleman who's really well known in the industry. And I had a couple of clients who had worked with him and they had some really great success. And there was a part of me that was like, I just need to check in with him and see, should I work with him too? And I got on a call and he's like, Laura, you can found me. And he showed me this spreadsheet and he's like, your business should be down here, but it's up here because you haven't done all these other things that you're supposed to do. And I'm like, what? There's no order to this. And I knew exactly why I didn't fit on his schedule is because I understood how to sell. And everyone who was coming to him, and again, why they went through him and then came to me was because they had to do everything in lockstep order. And I don't believe that's true. So I think the number one thing is ask your soul, what does it actually need? When you are leading from within, when you are guided to what fills you up first and you go take action from that, you will hit heights that do not make sense for other people. So do not follow the cookie cutter advice. Do not activate pain and stab someone in the sales process because it just doesn't work. Lead yourself and find the mentors that you actually know who give a shit about you. Like that is one of my biggest things. I deeply, madly care about my clients. I don't have like, I hope you do okay, or I hope you get results. I like, we send gifts to our people because they're custom and they, we know that it matches, like fall in love with your people. That was a long-winded answer as well. I think I only do long-winded. <laughs> it's okay. It's, it's like, it's, as long as it's good long-winded, I'm down for it. If it's bad, I'm just going to be like in the editing room, like delete, 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 but it's okay. I'm keeping all of yours. You're fine. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much. This has been so much fun. I feel so much lighter for it. And I'm sure everybody listening to it is going to go into their next sales call feeling a little different with whichever side they're on, I think. I also think they're all going to want to talk to you. So is the Facebook group the best place? Are you active somewhere else on social media? Are they sliding into your DMs? 
Absolutely. So here's what's really, really important. I am a real live human being. I'm having a sales conversation with someone today who reached out to me on Instagram. She private messaged me and I private responded to her. We're actually going to talk. So the truth is we're going to pop a link in for my website. You'll be able to go there. You can look, you can see, you can get onto a sales call with me. But the truth of the matter is find me online. It's Laura Wright sold sisters. My former company was Epic at sales. So if you see anything with Epic at sales, that's me too. And then private message me. I also have a book that you'll see right at the top of my website where you can come in. It's free. I give you all these lessons. We call it to create an Epic income rise. It's little nuggets of goodness so that my goal is to make things simple. That's what all of my clients say. You're like, Laura, you just made that really simple and really easy. Because if it's simple and easy, you'll go do it. And if you go do it and you do it from a place of heart and soul, it'll work. You thrive, clients thrive, all the good things. So that's where to come hang with me. Awesome. There's like literally no excuse to not get in touch. Correct. I am not one of those gatekeepers where you can't get to me. I do have a glorious team and a lovely sales assistant and all the tools. And yes, I use links to get people on my calendar. And I'm a real life human being. I actually give a shit. So message me and tell me what I can do for you. Awesome. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Diane. I'm so glad to be here. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to follow the podcast and leave us a review.